Good morning. This is not a tablecloth. I might talk about it later. We'll see. But it is a prayer shawl. It's a tallit. Uh, and we'll see if I talk about it later. I just talked about it. Hey, I'm so excited to share with you this morning. I want to welcome anybody who's new. I know I met a couple of people that were here for the first time today. And uh, we welcome you. Just really glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, and we're, we're really talking about, for the last several weeks, we didn't even start this series out, and I, I was talking with the staff this, uh, this week, and uh, my wife's like, so what are you talking about this week? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to continue our series on the presence of God, and we just realized, wait a minute, we, we didn't know we were in a series on the presence of God. We never really created the series, but God's been, been really moving upon us to talk about his presence for the last, I'd say about six weeks, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about some more today. And just, I just really sense uh, the Spirit of God is trying to draw us closer and closer to Him. He is what we need. We don't just need a, you know, a bunch of to-dos. We also don't need a, a bunch of how-tos. We need God. Can I get an amen? You know, we got all kinds of books filled with how-tos and what-to-dos and stuff like that. But when God, when God visits us, when His presence is upon us, when His Spirit is in us, we don't need to know how-to and what-to. He's doing it in us right? And so the presence of God is absolutely the, the, the starting point for any successful, you know, uh, walk in life and fulfillment for your soul. You need God. Your soul craves for God. You need Him. You may not know that, but that is exactly what's going on with every single human soul on this planet. We need Him. And uh, so today I want to give you some good news. God is your rest, God is your rest. You can rest in God, and God can give you rest, and uh, it's going to be found in Him. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I want to start with Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. And God was really speaking to me about this verse this week. Um, it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This is uh, the verse I want you to memorize and meditate on this week, okay? Let me say it again. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My God in whom I trust. And then if you read the rest of Psalm 91, which I did this morning in our prayer time, it is filled with all the protection and favor uh, of God over your life, that he has commanded his angels. He has given the angels instructions to watch out for you, to protect you, to lift you up in their hands so that your foot wouldn't stumble against a stone, and to guard your way. In all your ways, God has instructed his angels to watch out for you. Have you ever heard, oh, guardian angels? You're like, ah, oh, that's not really true. Yes, it is true. You have guardian angels. And they're not the little, uh, you know, uh, weakling kind of like fluffy, white kind of like, you know. These guys have swords and muscle. And there's some, there's some pictures of angels in the Bible. And they, every time someone came across an angel in the Bible, they were freaking out because of, you know, the intimidation factor. And so you have God's special forces on your behalf. Isn't that cool? Psalm 91 would be a great psalm for you to memorize and, and to celebrate God's protection. But I want to talk about this verse today for a while, okay? Now, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, back in the day when this was written, David, um, there, the, the shelter for someone who is dwelling in the shelter of the Lord Most High, what does that mean? It was a person who was coming to, at that time, the tabernacle. And, and to get close to God in the old days, you physically had to get close to God because God's presence was dwelling on the earth uh, above the Ark of the Covenant, above the cherubim's wings, inside the Holy of Holies, behind a curtain, and God's presence actually was dwelling on the earth in a specific place, and to get close to God, you had to go to God. You had to go into the, the tabernacle at the time. And, and the psalmist is saying, and, and this is probably a worship song that they would hear on their way to the tabernacle. 
because um, they had assigned worshipers at the tabernacle and at the temple. And as you got closer and closer to the, the temple, which was in David's era, his son Solomon made the temple, then you would be hearing the worshiping of God and you would, you would come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and there'd be worship going on as you got closer and closer to God's presence. That's why we worship because uh, we, 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 get, we get drawn into God's presence you know, in our worship and God begins to speak to us. And so, and so uh, they would come into the, the tabernacle and and David is saying, those of you who have gathered here, who make this your dwelling place, who seek God, who are drawing near to the presence of God, those of you who do that, you're dwelling in the, in the shadow, you're resting in, you're abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. You're getting close to God. Isn't that cool? So I would say to you, guess what, today, not that this building is the shelter, but, but it's the same concept. You are coming to seek God. You're coming to draw near to God. And these blessings are yours because you are making God your dwelling place. His presence is your dwelling place. You are seeking him. The songs that we were singing, I love those because there was a, there was a sense in the songs that we were reaching out for God. That we were saying, God, I need you. Fill me. Fill me up. God, I want you. Uh, you are all that will satisfy me. And, and what, that, that was kind of the sense of the worship this morning was like, God, I, I want you. I need you. I was made to love you, fill me, touch me. And so we're doing that. We're, we're making God our dwelling place. But what about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so on, right? What about in the morning, in the afternoon, at night? Is God your dwelling place or is some, some other place your dwelling place? Is stress your dwelling place? Is worry your dwelling place? You see, is anger your dwelling place? Is... Uh, trying to climb and, and achieve some kind of goal. Is that where you dwell? Is that where you live? What are you consumed with? What are you focused on? What is your energy and, and, and your soul going after? Okay, you hear what I'm saying? Those who make God their dwelling place, those who learn how to dwell in the presence of God, will, their soul will come alive. You will flourish. And so that's what this message is all about. Can you imagine being so close to God that you're in his shadow? I got a, I got a shadow up here. I see shadows all over the room. You're so close to God, the Bible says that you're abiding or you're resting in his shadow. And I have, I don't know about you, uh, parents and grandparents who've, you know, have had uh, many different wonderful memories with your kids or grandkids and I can't really pinpoint a specific example, but I know there's been multiple opportunities to, to remember things like your, your children coming to you, clinging to you. You know, I know that my kids would always like, uh, when they're really little, they're toddlers. And I saw this recently this summer. We were at a beach, and, and there's this fountain place uh, in Midland. It was really a cool park, and we're there for a couple hours, and there was, uh, you know, all these little kids, but there were some really little kids, and mamas were there, and the kids were like, they would like be holding on to mama's leg, you know, and then they would like walk a couple of steps, and the water would come up, then they'd run right back and, boom, grab a hold of that mama's leg, right? And I think about that, how, how God, God wants us to be close to him, because when we are close to him, what does it feel like? When you're close to God, when you're in his presence, what, what is going on in your soul? And I think I would, I'm, I'm just going to guess, if you've ever experienced the presence of God, and it could be in a moment of crisis, or it could be a moment of confusion, or it could just be a beautiful moment during the day, and you just really feel like God's with you, and his presence is with you, what, what you don't find in those moments is fear. You don't find stress. Uh, you don't find confusion. Well, the things that you experience, and I think for a child, when their arms are wrapped around mama's leg... They're like, I'm safe. I, I'm okay. I don't have anything to worry about. You know, mama's got me, and, and she's going to take care of me. And there's just this peace. There's this confidence. Uh, there's this courage, uh, you know, that comes when, when you're close. And God wants you to be close to him because we need him. And uh, can you imagine doing that? And so 
Um, Psalm 91 verse 4, a couple verses later, the psalmist says, that, says this about God. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. It's like a picture of a baby eagle uh, with mama eagle, and the baby is tucked in under her wings. And it's like, who's going to get to baby eagle when mama eagle's on the nest, right? And God wants you to, to, to live life with this kind of uh, experience and feeling of his cover over your life. He wants you to live with this type of attitude and this type of lens that wherever you are, you're at work or you're at school or you're at college or you're at the store or you're at home and whatever you're doing, wherever you are, there is a place for you. It's called rest. It's a place called rest. And that, that place is entered when you make God your dwelling place. And wherever you are, and God is your dwelling place, there is a place of security for you and safety and courage and confidence and clarity because God's got you covered. Someone, someone say to somebody, God's got you covered. He's got you covered, just like the analogy of an eagle covering its baby. And I don't know about you, but like, uh, have you ever said uh, or heard someone say, to, I'm going to take them under my wing or wings? Or, I, you know, what do we mean by that in our society? It's coming from this analogy. What does it mean to take someone under your wing or wings? It's like, I got you. Uh, if, if I said that about someone, what I'm saying is, I got you. You will be successful. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to teach you everything you need to know. I'm going to protect you. I'm a, I got your back. Don't worry. Don't even worry about it. I got you, right? You are, you are, you're not going to fail. You can't fail because I got you covered. You hear what I'm saying? If I was to say that, that's what I think I would be saying. And, I, and back in the days when I was a youth pastor, I had to say that sometimes to some parents. When we went to a mission trip to Mexico, you know, I have to say, I, hey, I got them covered. Don't worry about it. They'll be all right. We got it all taken care of. I'll take it. They're under my wing, right? So now all of a sudden, I'm taking responsibility for those kids. You see what I'm saying? And that's what God is saying to you. You don't have to worry about it when you are under God's protection. But our souls crave for God. The psalmist says this in Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, where can I go and find God? And your soul needs him. Your soul craves for him. How is your soul doing? Now, if we don't know that our soul is craving God, our soul will move us to find something to fill it. We always are trying to fill this, whatever this is, this soul gap or something. And we look for relationships to do that. We look for success to do that. We look for maybe money or things or pleasure or we look for accolades or rewards or, I mean, whatever. We just, we will take anything that we can to try to find what that is that satisfies our soul, right? Because, but our soul craves God. We will never, ever, nothing ever will satisfy our soul in place of God. Nothing. That's why so many uh, famous people with lots of money who try everything because they can with their money end up with wrecked lives because none of those things give them what their soul is looking for. None of that stuff works. None of it. Only God. Psalm 84, 2. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh, cry out for the living God. And so I just want to commend you. You're here this morning. You're seeking God. You're in the right place. Good job. Good job. You made a decision. You got out of bed. Some of you didn't get to bed until 2.30 last night. And some of the teenagers probably didn't get to bed till 2.30 last night too. But, um, and you got out of bed and there, you are going after God, right? You're seeking him. And that is what you ought to do because that is what you need to do for your soul's sake. Uh, you need him. And we will never be satisfied without his presence. Now, Isaiah chapter 55, uh, the prophet is speaking on behalf of God. And he says this, Come 
all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And come, all you who have no money. You don't even need money for, for this. Come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Okay? What, what do you think the currency is here if it doesn't take money? I think the currency is my heart. I, I, I offer my heart to God. I offer my need for God. God, I need you. I got nothing. But I'm, I'm coming. I need you. And God says, oh, okay. Now I got something to work with, right? The vessel that God will fill is the empty vessel, the hungry vessel, the thirsty vessel. Jesus put it this way. Maybe he was thinking about this verse here. I don't know. When he said, blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. They will be filled. If you lack and you come to God hungry, God will fill you. You don't come and buy this stuff. You come and receive life from him. And so, so he goes on to say, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Let me just challenge us for a second with our, with our culture, and I'm talking to myself with you. In our culture, the, the idea of buying something is not just money, it's our life. It's, we're, we're giving our life away. Our time, our energy, our attention, our focus, that's buying, okay? It's not just money. It's not like we're out there trying to buy trophies for ourselves, but we're pursuing trophies for ourselves, right? We're not out there trying to, you know, buy, uh, you know, with money relationships, but we're, we're selling out for relationships that will fill our, our hole, right? We, we do anything, you see all those bachelors and bachelorette shows, and I mean, it's great. We do anything to try to find love, right? To try to find something that will satisfy our soul. And the, and, the, and the prophet says, why are you buying or giving yourself to something that actually will not uh, satisfy your soul? So he says this, listen, and now God is speaking through the prophet. This is not Isaiah speaking, this is God. God's talking to us. He says, listen, listen to me, and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Listen and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Your soul craves God. So he says this in verse 7. Give ear and come to me. Come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Reminds me of another verse thousands, a thousand years later. We find it in Matthew chapter 11. And Jesus said what? Come to me. Hey guys, if you're weary and you're heavy burdened and your soul is unsatisfied, it's restless. What did he say? Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. Wow. Soul. Our souls crave God and we find rest in him, in his presence. When we come to him, not come to church necessarily, not come to religion, not come to all these activities, but when we come to him, when we are in his presence, experiencing him. So go back to this idea, and I want to teach you some things here. Psalm 91, where it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's talk about the word rest for a minute, okay? So this idea of rest, it's not, uh, it's not sleeping. It's not what this means. It's not having nothing to do. It's not passive. It's more of a concept of your soul, when your soul comes to rest, your soul is satisfied, your soul is filled, uh, you have, your soul is content, and there is life in you. That's the idea here that I believe the scriptures are teaching us. It's not like, oh yes, I want to have nothing to do, I want to have no purpose, I want to have no agenda, I just want to sleep and veg out. That's not the rest this is talking about. This is better rest. This is the rest of you have found your place. 
Your soul is filled. You are content. There is no stress. There's no those things that are pulling at you and, and you know, a restless soul. But you have been filled with the energy and life and purpose of God that you're alive, okay? That your soul may live, that your soul may live, that you may enjoy the richest affair. Affair, not affairs, right? You know what I'm saying? Okay, because that's an old word for some reason, right? So your soul will flourish. And so in uh, Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, this was a verse I also asked you to kind of think about and uh, maybe memorize last week. Dr. Larry did a great message. If you weren't here, I'd really encourage you to go and, and check it out online. But um, this verse, uh, God was talking to Moses. And Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with us, we can't go. We got nothing if you don't go with us. If we don't have your presence, forget about it. And so God's reply was this. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Presence, rest. Presence of God, a full soul, a satisfied soul, a soul at rest. The presence of God, your soul's contentment. Do you see what I'm saying? And so God says, my presence will go with you. And last week, Dr. Larry shared us the word for presence in Hebrew is something like this, pani, pani. And it means face-to-face. God says, my face-to-face is going to go with you. That's a relationship. Face-to-face, I am going with you. My presence, my, I, me, face-to-face. And Moses used to meet with God in the tent of meeting. And the Bible says he used to meet with God, what? Face-to-face. Face-to-face. Intimate relationship and dialogue and conversation, and and all of that relationship with God himself. And God says, I go with you myself. Not, not, sometimes we think of the Old Testament, we think about the cloud way up there, uh, you know, in the sky. And the cloud would move and everybody would move. And that's true. But this was more than just a symbol or a distant God, you know, presence somewhere out there and we just better do what he says. No, he says, my face-to-face goes with you. His presence came down and lived among them in the tabernacle and in the temple. And now his presence lives in us. It's more than face-to-face. It's like internal presence of God. We are the temple, and so he is with us. But this idea of, of pani, also in my, when I was reading this in the Hebrew, it's, it also had this phrase, faces of me. God, it could mean not just face to face, but faces of me. Like this, my very, you know, my very being is gonna be with you. Isn't that awesome? But then it goes on to say, and I will give you rest. And here's how it's broken down into the Hebrew. I'm gonna say what this verse kind of says in Hebrew, okay? It would say something like this. Instead of saying, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In the Hebrew, kind of broken up, it would sound something like this. And he is saying, faces of me, they shall go, and I give rest to you. And it, and it carries this idea that when I'm with you and you're with me, you will experience my rest. And that rest is what I give you. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, we have rest from anxiety. We have rest from worry, rest from striving, and ultimately, rest from self-sufficiency. This is really the key. Rest from self-sufficiency, from human striving. This is a message that you need to get and I need to get. Every day of my life, I'm fighting this internal self-sufficient drive and, uh, and Megan was talking about that herself this morning. I got this, I can do this, or I need to, I got to. Ooh, I got the pressure on. I've got to figure this out. I got to make this happen. I got all these things to do. Anybody else? Self-sufficiency. We, cha- we, we train our kids to be self-sufficient. 
right? We want to be able to say, all right, guys, you're on your own. See you later. You got it. You got to do this. You are on your own. You got to make it happen, right? That's what we do. We try to, our teachers are trying to prepare people to be on their own. Now, I understand all that, but what I'm saying here, spiritually speaking, is that God does not want you to be self-sufficient. In fact, he created you to need him, and you cannot succeed as a self-sufficient person. He, 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 he uh, what, do you, what do you want to call it, sabotaged you from the beginning, okay? You need him. You absolutely need him. You were never created to be self-sufficient. That's what happened in the garden. That's when mankind fell, when we said, oh, we could be like God. We could understand good and evil. We could, make the, we could call the shots. We can be independent. Oh, man, that sounds good. I'm going to try that. And then death entered the world. Separation from God. We can't do it. And so our souls need him, and we find rest in him. And, uh, and so I want to challenge you with this, this bigger concept here. Now, we were designed to live from rest. I've taught this before maybe a year or two ago. But do you realize that when mankind was created, we were created out of the seven days, what day was man created on? Anybody know? On the sixth day. On the sixth day, man was created, okay? The very first day that man had was the seventh. We were created on the sixth, and what happened on the seventh? Rest. Our first day as a humanity was a day of rest. The Hebrew day, and I've mentioned this before too in the past, but the Hebrew day does not, is not like an American day. Even though we share the same dates and times, their day starts at a different time than ours. Their day starts when the sun goes down. When the sun goes down, let's say around 6 o'clock or so, not in summer, but anyway, the idea is when the sun goes down, they start the next day. The first thing that they do in their next day is what? They have family and food, just like we do normally. You know, if you have a normal work schedule, you come home from work, whatever, and, you know, you have family time, you have relationship time, you have food, uh, you, you, you spend time together, then you go to sleep and you rest, then you wake up and you work, okay? So rest comes before work in the Hebrew day, every day, right now. Uh, you know, they're on the same day as we are, but sometime tonight, they're actually flipping over to Monday before we do. Uh, and, and that's how their day is orchestrated. God created you to live out of a place of rest. And yet, we tend to put every emphasis on work, and then we like stumble into rest, trying to get ready for work. But God wants you to be full and oversupplied with rest and everything that we do comes out of rest so that there's a fullness that comes from us and that rest comes from him. Now, I'm not just talking about sleeping now. I'm talking about living. I'm talking about the way that you are interacting throughout your day. If you are tapped into the presence of God, then you are living from a place of rest. Your soul is at rest. You're not stressed. You're not worried. You're not freaking out. You're not preoccupied. You're not self-centered. You're not self-seeking, okay? You're not blowing up because you are connected to your source of rest and what comes out of that, the way that you live your life, what comes out of that rest comes the presence of God, the love, the peace, wisdom, grace, and I haven't figured out how to stay there very long, but I have been there at times and I'm trying to figure out how to camp out there, how to dwell there, because he who dwells, in the presence of God, in the shelter of the Most High, that's really the presence of God. That person is going to live out of a place of rest. So let me just share with you a little bit about this, just very briefly. This is a Talit. I did get this uh, from Israel years ago when we had a chance to go there. I don't know what this says. It's Hebrew. It would take me a long time to figure it out. But this represents a couple things. I'm not going to teach everything that I know about this thing, but just the idea that I want to share with you right now is he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This represents the tabernacle. 
Those who would go to the presence of God had to get to the tabernacle. But then God gave them this concept, a tallit, a prayer shawl, so that any time they could have their own little tent with God. And maybe you've seen a Jew do this before. I don't know. I was in an airport once in the Netherlands, and I saw Jews pull out their tallit, and they would do this, and sometimes they would do this. And what are they doing? They're hiding. Where? In the shelter of the Most High. And what are they doing? They're saying prayers. They're connecting with God. And it represents being in the presence of God. Wow. He who dwells under the shelter of the Most High. You see? He who is putting their trust in God. He or she who is developing this walk with God and relying on God and hiding themselves in God's presence, trusting in Him, believing in Him, integrating their, their existence in Him, those, that's what the psalmist is talking about. This is the shelter, is His presence. And this represents, these, these uh, tallit, by the way, means little tent. Isn't that awesome? Little tent. So you're not at the big tent, but you're in the little tent. And God made a way for every single one, even in the Old Testament, to experience his presence through the tallit. Now we experience his presence through the spirit. Isn't that awesome? God loves you. He wants to be with you. But you need him, and when you do draw near to him, he satisfies your soul, and your soul comes alive, and it's, it is filled to overflowing, and you thrive in life. And you then begin to live out of that rest, and you are a completely different person to those that you're engaged with that day. And every one of us knows what I'm talking about because we, we have a split personality, right? It's ourself and it's the spirit. And when we're in the self, everybody knows it. And when we're in the spirit, everybody knows it because those are two different personalities, right? One's self-seeking, one is gracious and self uh, others-oriented, right? Uh, you know, and, and we can go through a whole long list of those things. But um, this is what I'm talking about. So, so the, the idea, and last week I love this analogy that Dr. Larry shared with us. Are you trying to row your sailboat? Are you putting all this effort, self-sufficiency? You know, I got this. I'm a good Christian. I know God, but you know, this is just my duty. I got to f- solve this problem. Or maybe you haven't learned how to give your normal problems to God. Or maybe you haven't learned yet how to... Uh, uh, release stress and anxiety and worry to God that he actually can, can be with you right there in that moment, even with that kind of situation that you're dealing with. And so instead, maybe you don't know this yet, but you're rowing and you're trying and you're striving and we're going. And like, let's go. Come on. Listen, I was on a raft a couple weeks ago at my cross-country camp and we were doing this whitewater rafting thing up on the Sturgeon River. And it was actually pretty crazy. It was pretty dangerous and the currents were going pretty hard. My dad was in one of the rafts. And all of a sudden, you know, you come around and you see the currents taking you right to this fallen tree. And it's always pitched just perfectly so that it'll take your head off. Literally just like, whoa! So you like turn the raft and everyone's like, go, roll, roll, roll! Come on! You know, because I'm in the back. I'm the one that's going to get knocked off. So we were doing that. We did really good for a long time. And then one time, didn't go so good. Eli's next to me. And we're coming up in this tree, and we didn't start rowing hard enough or fast enough. And all of a sudden, next thing we know, we are in the river. We got knocked right out of the raft. Eli comes bouncing up. He's like looking around like, it's okay. You got a jacket on? You know, we're like freezing. And, and, but that's how life is, I think, sometimes, right? We think it's all on us, okay? Now, but it's not. We are a sailboat. We have sails, right? And I, and I think we're going to get some more information on this. Uh, Dr. Larry's going to teach again in October. And I think he might pick up where he left off about, well, how do you hoist your sails? How do you catch the wind of God? Because the wind of God is ruach in Hebrew. That's what God breathed into you. That's why you're here right now. That's why you're alive. When you speak, that's why your words have power because it's the breath of God that's in you that's coming out. It's not your breath. It's God's breath. It's his spirit. Even if you're an unbeliever or a believer, it doesn't matter you have been filled with the presence of God. The Spirit of God is what brings life to a being, a human being. That's what it says. It says God breathed into us, and we came to life. We became a living being. It's the Ruach of God. But the Ruach of God is still blowing today. 
The breath of God is still moving today. And he wants to move in your life. And it is the power of the Spirit that will move you, not you rowing and trying really hard. And it's, it's not just for big things. It's for all of life that God wants to bless you uh, with that capability. And so I want to talk about this idea. The psalmist gets this because after he says all this, he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It's all about trust. So if I was to really summarize this message, I would say rest means trusting in God. Trusting in God. I want to share with you uh, a name of God, which I just absolutely love. That's found in this scripture. And the problem with English is you don't, you don't always see this until you get into the actual language of the scriptures. When it talks about this part of the verse, I will, or he will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty in English is a translation of one of God's names. And it is, uh, I'll write it up here. It's, uh uh-oh, that one didn't work. Let's try another one. Yeah, it's L. That's L, that means God. And then the next part of that is uh, Shaddai. Uh, yep, yep, and that. That is the Hebrew, El Shaddai. Who've ever heard of that phrase before? Shaddai, El Shaddai. Amy Grant fans? El Shaddai, El Shaddai. Don't remember the rest. It's all that Hebrew. But anyway, um, this is the name of God. It means God Almighty. But let me tell you where it comes from. Now, when you're translating uh, uh, from a language to another language, or you're trying to um, make a definition of a word, most of the time, linguists and people who do that, they find the definition or meaning of words from the root of the word. Where did this root come from? Where did this word come from? It came from a, a root somewhere. Now, there's two different opinions or interpretations of where this word came from, okay? One lends itself to say the Lord Almighty. In other words, God is a bad dude. He can knock anybody around. He is the almighty strong one. Uh, Nobody can beat him. It comes from a a root word that means destroyer, but like mighty one, the strongest one, okay? But there's another option here, which I found fascinating this week when I was studying it, and it comes from the word shod, just these two letters, shod. And it's more closely linked to this word because it's, it's the first two letters, shad, I, shadai. And that word shad uh, means breast or breasts. And it, and it gives the picture, um, and when you have this right here at the end of the word, almost always it means my. When you have, uh, in Hebrew, you have a lot of uh, the words ending in I uh, or A-I, but it's pronounced I, shadai. It means my. So it means God, my breasts, my breasts. In other words, it's a picture of a mother and a baby. And that baby has no chance without that mother. And the mother is providing everything that that baby needs. Now, obviously, back in the day, we didn't have baby formula, right? And today, most women still prefer and try to breastfeed if they can. But it is the intimacy of a baby depending completely on their mother for all of their nutrients, for everything for life. And this right here is not just God Almighty, the strong bad dude that can knock anybody around he wants to. He's in full control. He's the king of the mountain. It's not just that, but it also is God, everything that I need. He's my God who supplies everything that I need. He's God all-sufficient. He's all-sufficient. And man is insufficient. Mankind is insufficient, and God is all-sufficient. And so the Bible is saying, look, this is the one that you need because he is the one who suffices you, who provides for you, who nourishes you. He's the only one that keeps you alive. He's the one that gives you everything that you need. So 
Abide in the shadow. Draw near to him. Not because you have to, but because you have to. Where's the baby going to go? Where else will that baby find life? Nowhere. There is no chance for a baby of two weeks, three weeks, two months, say, hey, ma, I'm done. I got this. Baby can't even roll over. Can't crawl. Can't talk. Can't go to the refrigerator. Can't go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. I mean, there's no, there is silly, but there's no possible way that baby could survive by saying, Ma, I got it. You cannot survive without God. You can't do it. In the, in the moment, I'm even talking about moments. In the moments that you are in your split personality yourself, in those moments, you're not surviving. You're not flourishing. There's anger or there's stress or there's fear or there's something that's trying to destroy you. And it's destroying people around you when you're in that kind of mode. It's just, it's not like a little uh, is okay. It's like in every moment that we are self-sufficient, it's creating chaos in our bodies, in our minds, and in our relationships. It just is. That's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. It, you can't escape it. So what is God saying? Come to me. Come to me. You'll find rest for your souls. You'll find everything that you're looking for over there. Come to me. Trust in me, and you'll have rest. You'll, you'll flourish. Your soul will live. This is good news. This is good news for those of us who tried it a long time over here and could not do it and finally realized we couldn't do it. The good news is I was never supposed to. I didn't really fail. I just woke up to I need God. A revelation. It was, I was never made to do it on my own. You were never made to do it on your own. Therefore, you're not a failure because you're not good enough. No, you, weren't, you were made to depend on God. It's, it's just a wake-up call. And the more that we wake up to that, uh, the more our soul will be, will, be, uh, will be satisfied. So the Bible says here, Isaiah says, seek, this is verse, uh, five, uh, chapter 55, verse uh, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Isn't that good news? You see, some people think God is mad at them. God's mad at me because I failed, because I did this, I did that. I, and we all know that we've screwed up. Everybody that I've ever met knows that. That's not even an issue. I don't ever have to tell anybody, convince anybody that, you know, they've made mistakes. I've never had to do that. It's, it's convincing them that God can forgive them and he can pardon them and have mercy on them, and that God, uh, God, that you don't have to measure up to God some standard before you come to him. That's what I have a hard time talking people into, is that God actually loves you. He's not mad at you. And everyone thinks God's mad at them. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we are mad at ourselves. We feel that condemnation. But God says, come to me. He knew that we weren't going to be able to do it on our own, and that's part of the mercy of God is to let us try. Okay, try it. But as soon as you're done and you're at the end of your rope and you've had enough and you turn, you'll find me running after you to embrace you and to welcome you home. Okay, I love you. I'm never going to give up on you. But if you have to try, go ahead and try. But I've paid every debt of yours so that you could be with me forever. I love you. For you. God loves you. He's for you. Now, all of this to say this, um, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The challenge that I want to give you today is to dwell in the presence of God this week. I mean, it's pretty simple. But to do that, I, I think it takes time. Our culture is so busy. We are so busy. We are so full. 
so many options, so many activities. And, and even, you know, even our, our society is structured that way, that you're, you're supposed to be involved in so many things. And yet the presence of God is, is something that, that is not hard to find, but it's hard to make room for because we're too busy. we got too much going on. So however that looks for you, my challenge to you is to dwell in the presence of the Lord this week. You still have to go to jo- your job, I know. You still have to clean the house or you still have to go to school this week. Yeah. I think some of us are happy about that. And so we have these things to do, but in the midst of that, how many of you are with me? There's things going on here all the time, no matter where you are, right? Whether you're in school or at home or a grocery store or whatever at work, there's, there's, a, there's a whole nother world going on up here all the time. And that's the world that I want you to shift towards God. And the way that I do it the best is to take a verse and to just keep thinking about it and dwelling on it throughout the day. Maybe if you get, if you get everything you can get out of that verse, then go on to another verse. But you, I need to worship the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So my mind can be on all kinds of things, but if I want to dwell in the presence of God, I find playing worship music and thinking about a scripture verse throughout my day is really, really helpful because I don't naturally do that. I have to choose to do that because I naturally think about everything I have to do. I think about the problems. I think about the challenges. You know, I think about the pressure of all that stuff. But I want to dwell in the presence of God because my soul craves Him, and so does yours. So, well, would you stand with me? We're going to close our service this morning. And the presence of God. I believe that God is uh, about to do something awesome in our church. And, uh, but it's going to happen as a result of us making space for him in our lives, that we begin to learn how to dwell in the presence of God. God absolutely is going to take up that space when we give it to him, and he's going to move. He's going to move in incredible ways. And this morning, I want, I want to just invite him to move right now in your life. If you're here this morning and all this God stuff is kind of new to you, but you're intrigued and you feel something, Something like, man, I need, I, you know, so when I'm talking about your soul craves God and something inside of you is like, yeah, yeah, you know, then, then you can have him today and you can begin that relationship today. And we're not talking about a religion. We're talking about God, a relationship that he will actually speak to your heart. He will be face to face with you internally that you can have this knowledge of God and you can grow in this knowledge of God and he can bring peace into your life and you can exchange that stress for his peace, and your confusion for his clarity, and your panic for his peace, right? You can have, yes, this is for you. There's a tent for every one of us. There's a place in God's presence for every one of us. And Jesus said, come to me if you're weary, you're heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can have rest for your souls. So Jesus said, it's, it's in me. It's in him as your Savior and Lord. So I would like to pray a prayer this morning. And if you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to acknowledge your need for God, your need for a Savior, your need for a switch from being filled with self to being filled with His Spirit, then then you're ready for a brand new beginning. The Bible says that we are new creations in Christ. And the old is gone, and now everything is new. You can have a brand new life in God as He teaches you how. Would you bow your heads this morning? And if you're here this morning, say, Pastor, I, wanna, I want God. My soul craves for God. Man, what you've been talking about, that's exactly what I've been feeling. And I need, I need God. And that's you, and, and you want to start this relationship with him. Then I, I just want to ask you just to lift your hand right where you are. And I'm going to just lead you in a prayer. We're all going to pray this prayer together. But I just want to acknowledge your decision today before the Lord, that you are crying out to him. You're receiving him as Lord and Savior. Just lift your hand right now, if that's you. All right, awesome. And you can put your hand down, and let's pray this prayer together, okay, as a church. Lord Jesus, thank you. Would you say that? Lord Jesus, thank you. 
that you did not come to condemn me, but you came to save me, to redeem me, and to give me a new life in you, a life of fullness. So today, I choose you. Come. I come to you, and I give my life to you. I declare you are my Lord and Savior, and thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for paying the price of your life so I could have life and have it to the full. I receive you today in your name. I ask that you fill me with your spirit so I have the power to live this new life in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray together. Lord, would you just lift your hands towards heaven? Lord, we come to you this morning. And God, we, we just recognize today that, Lord, we need you. We need you. You are El Shaddai. You are my God who supplies all my needs. You are the all-sufficient God. And today, Lord, we desire, we desire that you work in us a whole different way of living and thinking. Lord, that we would be presence-driven. We would be driven by the wind of God, the presence of God, that we would be more tuned into your voice this week than to the voice of worry or stress. Lord, that we would be moved by you, not by our emotions or our feelings or our problems. God, that you would be the one that would captivate our hearts and fill our souls. That our souls would not be given to anything else, but Lord, that we would find rest in you. I pray, God, that this week will be a week filled with the Ruach of God in each and every one here, that the rest of God would flow out of them. The rest of God, the healing the shalom, the joy, the peace, the clarity, the purpose, the wisdom would flow out of each one of us to those around us, wherever we go and whatever we do, to our students, to our teachers, to all of us who are working, those who are staying at home, everything that we do in our coming and going. Lord, may we live out of your rest this week and may those who come near us taste your presence in us. Oh God, move upon us. Help us, Lord. To, 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 to depend on you and trust in you, to divest ourselves of all our self-sufficiency and learn how to trust in you in all these things, we pray in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom where you will have nothing broken and nothing missing, that you will overflow with his spirit and his joy and his fruits this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.